All right, a financial planning podcast with the down-to-earth vibe even Sasquatch would climb a sequoia for. I am R. Brandon Long, and this is Through the Pines. On episode eight of Through the Pines, we discussed the biggest retirement changes to occur in over a decade, and this this occurrence is called the Secure Act. It was just passed here in December, from what I am told, from my professionals in-house in the trailer here in Banyan One, Rex Baxter, Brandon Smith, planwithbaxter.com for more information. Rex, what the heck is a secure? This does not sound like a good time, the Secure Act. The Secure Act. They want to make it sound very secure. Secure, yes. Right? And so it stands for setting every community up for retirement enhancement. Okay. Um, so you know how politics, that's, you know, you put a name on something, it's always the opposite of what it actually does. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so are you giving this Secure Act a thumbs, just out of the box, thumbs up or thumbs down? What's your opinion? So I'm giving it a sideways thumb. Oh, give me a... <laughs> there, Not there's endorsement. A, there, there's a few pieces that, that I, I think I really like okay. and are, that are attractive, and it's balanced out by one really big rotten tomato so should we say, let's let's address right? the rotten tomato first so so you know on what they were trying to do um as far as the the house and the senate is is there's a lot of rules that have been outdated in in the retirement um sector of of the economy for a long time and and so they wanted to revamp um part of that process and 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 they did so successfully on on one end but they also shut down a couple of loopholes and and so one of one of the big planning loopholes that they shut down is what we call a stretch IRA. And so a, a stretch IRA is essentially when somebody passes away and they have a retirement account, then they can leave it to their spouse or if if they don't have a spouse they can leave it to their kids or to somebody else and then essentially they can take that that inheritor can take that money out over their lifetime. Um, and stretch that out over 30 or 40 years and so forth, and then over their kids and so forth. As opposed to- Sounds like a good deal. A great deal, because you can continue to defer taxes for a long, long period of time. So our friends decided that wasn't a good idea anymore at the government level? And so for some reason, the government figured that they wanted their tax money a little bit quicker. And I know that's a shock to the system for everybody listening. And so they decided to shut that loophole down. Rotten tomato. And so for those for those people that that inherit an IRA after January first of twenty twenty, then you're required to take a distribution or to, to deplete that inherited IRA by the end of ten years. Yeah. Now there is a couple caveats. Spouses are exempt from that, right? So a spouse can inherit their their. And when you say spouse, this is legal, like gay marriage spouse, like spouses. Everybody's a spouse, a legal legally, legally married spouse. spouse. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so if you if you're married, you can take that as your IRA, and then then this doesn't apply, right? It'll it'll just go into the regular required minimum distribution schedule, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Okay. Um, also, if you're within ten years of of uh, the age of the person, that, that's and and there's a couple other ones, but for the most part, though, I mean, if you were to receive an IRA from a parent, this is going to force you. To, to pull all the money out within 10 years. Now, there's no set schedule on when you need to pull that out. It just all needs to be out by the end of t- 10 years. And so, like Rex was saying, I mean, there's a couple really significant issues with this. First of all, when is when are people receiving these inheritances? 
typically a lot of times it's when they're in their highest tax brackets mm. right and so if you if you receive this you're going to be forced to pull this money out and recognize it as income if it's in a traditional ira in in some of your highest tax brackets what that means is let, let's just say for instance you're making a hundred thousand dollars and you receive an inherited ira of we'll call it fifty thousand right if you pull that fifty thousand dollars out it's going to look like you earned an extra fifty thousand pushing you up in tax brackets and, and all that money is going to get taxed so it, it can be a big deal part of me is a little bit excited because it makes for more fun financial planning right like if, <laughs> as we start oh you would Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> if this isn't complex we don't have a job <laughs> but you know so then we start looking at strategies you know if you're making money and at the end of the 10 years you're going to retire well maybe we wait to pull that out at the end once you're in retirement and not making a lot of income um, but then we get into our social security tax, all that type of stuff. So it, it makes a really unique puzzle. Um, overall, though, it's not helping consumers, right? I mean, mm. or Americans. These Americans would have had a big nest egg from their parents in an IRA tax deferred. And now they're, it's going to force them to pull that out. And what are, what are people going to do when it's forced out? A lot of times like, well, actually, I think I'm, you know, I think that I want to buy that new trailer. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. because now all of a sudden they have a lump sum. And, yeah. And, and the hard thing is, like Brandon mentioned, is is a lot of times you may have because this, this will impact 401k plans as well. If somebody passed away and they have, you know, two or three, four or five hundred thousand dollars in a 401k plan or a million. And all of a sudden, you know, at some point during that 10 years, they think, oh, I, I'm tired of waiting. I'm just going to take it. Then all of a sudden they've. You know, unexpectedly increased their income by a half million dollars in that year and gone from maybe a, a 12% or an 18% federal tax bracket all the way up to the top tax bracket. Um, and so instead of instead of paying, you know, 20%, they're they're paying 34, 37, you know, a, a, an enormous amount of additional funds in taxes as opposed to what they might have done otherwise. Yeah. Depending on the size the size of the inherited IRA, there's there's a lot of stuff we can do, right? As far so as that secures the money goes to the government <laughs> that, faster. That was the part of the security. Okay. We found okay. the name. Okay. All right. Got it. But, but there are a lot of strategies, right? Yeah. The people that will be worse affected are people A that just don't do any planning around it, right? And just pull the money out because they're told they need to um, and don't figure out a way to get that back invested. Um, and then also people that are inheriting a large amount, they're, they're really going to be negatively. Well, and, there, and there's still some planning for, for younger spouses. And, and, you know, if you're if you're going through and, and you're 30 or 40 and all of a sudden you go through probably the, the worst experience of your entire life of losing a spouse at, at that stage of life and they have an IRA account or 401k at their employer, things like that, there's still strategies that we can utilize because if you just roll that into the spouse's name, then they don't get access to it. Until but the spouse doesn't 60. count, right? Well, the spouse doesn't have to have it out in ten, oh. and so if you roll it into your name, then you can't, then you can't touch it until you're sixty. So they may have to wait twenty years to touch it, mm -hmm. whereas they may want to, you know, put it into an inherited IRA, even though they have to have it out in ten. They may be going through life situations to where they need access to those funds sure, yeah. because of a lack of planning. Right. And so, you know, for for everybody that's out there, this is a great time to meet with your financial advisor to say, OK, what does this mean for me specifically, especially if you're going through a situation where you're inheriting a, a 401k or an IRA from 
from anybody, whether it's a spouse or not. And that's an easy thing. I mean, that's something a, a 10 minute conversation can get you pointed in a million dollar right direction. Um, obviously, financial planning will help us make sure that's completely efficient. But but that's some if you just give us a call, I mean, we can tell you over the phone. Usually, you know, you should really consider this and, and get you planwithbaxter.com. Yeah. yeah, we can certainly go through the pros and cons of your decisions and, and help you help you so that you can make a more educated decision. So what did it do for, for us in the positive? There's a lot of good stuff. Um, not, not as big as the other one. But one, one of the big ones, IRA contributions, you can actually contribute to a traditional IRA beyond age 70 and a half. That used to be closed off. Now you have to have earned income, which means you have to show Kind of a job. But there's a lot of people in their 70s who are working. Yeah. Part-time, just for fun. They hanging out. They work at the golf course, retail store, or whatever. They just, they just don't want to do nothing. And, and in the past, yeah. they weren't allowed to contribute to an IRA account. Huh. Even, you know, if they're 75 and they're still working. Yeah, and you have five more years before you want to hang it up, and then you just got to keep it. You can't put it away. Right. But now you can. But but now you can. So okay. so, so that's a positive that, yeah. that allows people to save more in their later years, especially as we see more and more of, of the baby boomers working longer and longer yeah. in, into retirement. Yeah, we were able to do the Roth before, but, but you just didn't have this other this other component so that's a good thing rmds are there rodents of unusual for, oh wait, yes no, uh, <laughs> rmds so, okay. so required minimum distributions this is the, oh, the yeah. portion of the tax code where the the government says we want our tax money and so it, previously at age 70 and a half and and again leave it to the government for to celebrate half birthdays but uh at 70 and a half you're required to to take money out of your IRA accounts um, and, and begin that process of distributing the money and paying the taxes on it. You know, when I was 15 and a and, half in 355 days, uh-huh. <laughs> I woke up that next day and thought, you know what? I'm, I'm mature enough to drive a car now. Like yesterday, <laughs> maybe not so much today. I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> I think I like my chances. Like somebody give me a license. It's pretty random. Yeah. 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 It's all of those birthdays are, are they're pretty, pretty random. random. But, yeah. But it's interesting that the government settles on half years. They've done that in a, huh. in a couple of situations. And so and this is, this is one of them, but in the, in the changes with the secure act, they've gone away from the half birthday and they've gone to age 72. And so hmm. now they're not requiring people to take money out of their IRAs until they turn 72. Now this only impacts, those individuals that turn 70 and a half um, after the mid-year of 29, no, after January 1st, 2020 is, 2020. is who that's going to impact. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I am, all this is making me hungry. I need some more numbers. It's some s'mores. Fire me. There's the fire. Ooh, yeah. hang on, hang on. Let me let the marshmallows get soft. <laughs> Got to melt the chocolate. Do you have a technique? I, I absolutely have a technique. Do you? I absolutely What's your you? snort? Well, uh, I believe so. Um, I have to prep everything first. So I got to get the graham crackers out first. And the chocolate, I take, it's the Hershey's. Oh, yeah. And it's two sections, two to four, depending on. So I do four. You do four? Online, yeah. And then do you buy like the giant marshmallows or the or the mini? 
So not I'm, the minis, but like the smaller size because they have like the jumbo ones. <laughs> yeah, the jumbo ones that are they, the size they, of your trailer. Yeah, right? they yeah they do. Yeah, you don't maybe you don't want those, but I buy the big ones. Yeah, we don't. We we buy the the kind of intermediate ones. The yeah. the big ones are so big and gooey. It's a little too much. That it's it's a lot. It ends up you know I mean you're up in the mountains. You got nowhere to go take a shower. I mean it's you know you I'm, can end up. I'm in my it's backyard. because you're doing it all wrong. Yeah. All right, you get the big ones. You slowly roast it. You peel off the outside, which leaves a nice hole in the middle. You can kind of blow on it, make sure it's cool off. You eat that. You roast the, what's left. And you can get like three to four roasts. And it's not sticky. Do you, does it ever find the gram? No. Oh, so not so on that's those. A new, that's so a new I just technique. want to point out that if Brandon is this thrifty with his s'mores with his, marshmallows... Yes. Imagine how thrifty he's going to be when he's working with you in your financial planning. <laughs> we will make every. Yeah, just to finish this off, uh, you know, get get that marshmallow nice and brown, right? right. Yeah. And then and then you grab it with the with your uh, graham crackers off of the pole. Oh. You don't to yeah, pull it off call. with your fingers, right? Because then right. you got a mess on your hands. You take. One half on the bottom, the other half on the top. Usually the chocolate half's on the bottom because you don't want to fall off. And then you move it off the stick like a sandwich mode, and then you're ready to go. Yeah, so the, the way my grandpa taught me, Uh-oh. right, was was you get it flaming. I mean, you stick that you marshmallow turn it in, no! you get it burning. <laughs> yeah, and if that, if that s'more isn't crunchy, then it's not a s'more. <laughs> so That's not that. These people want to know about the Secure Act. But okay. before that, just keeping us in line here. Yeah. <laughs> before that, so we have s'more, s'more, s'more numbers. numbers. So, uh, Employee Benefit Research Institute did a survey, and they found that 61% of the thousand workers they surveyed are working with a financial advisor or expect to work with an, an advisor as they prepare for their eventual retirement. 61%. That's way too high. So they, I'd like to ask, what are the other 39% of you doing? Oh, well, yeah. All right. Well, what I like about, well, here's what's interesting about that. I think 12 of them are actually working with an advisor, and the other ones just hope to eventually, because that's part of the answer. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I answer. hope to. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I will <laughs> next year when I got a little bit more money. What are your numbers out there in the field when you talk to, you know, what do you think the the assumption is of how many people are working closely with an advisor versus those who are in the workforce and are not? It it feels like a much smaller number as far as those that are actually working with an advisor. Yeah. It, it feels like that number's reversed to where it should be thirty to forty percent would be my my instinctual feeling of how many are actually working with an advisor versus those that hope or are planning to. I mean, it's amazing how many people plan to work with an advisor they say they plan to and then they never kind of get around to it and that statistic included the people planning right <laughs> right well and if you look at um say my job so i manage uh, gear 30 in town a uh, uh, outdoor gear shop and the the kids i'll call them kids because they're half my age um they're in college they work part-time i bet i'm 100 percent don't have a financial advisor in their life for they, sure. They probably took a class, maybe up at Weaver or something. But yeah, so and that not you know, that would include all these all that type of a worker as well. Right. But when's the best time to work with one when you're young? Yes. That money compound. Yeah. yeah. Yesterday. Yesterday. Was I like the best that. time to start. Yeah. yeah. And, and people ask and this is such a hard 
question to answer. You know, how much do I need to work with a financial advisor? And, and really to have an advisor manage your assets for you. I'm just going to throw it out there. A lot of times you need at least 50000 right? And some advisors have limits even higher than that. Um, but when it comes to financial planning and actually putting your retirement together, even if you don't have that much, it can make sense to pay an advisor a one-time relatively minimal fee to just go through and make sure you're filing for Social Security correctly, make sure that your distribution strategies are going to work right. There are so many times when we can save you thousands of dollars through retirement by just paying us a, a small, you know, couple hundred bucks in, in a planning fee. And so I, I do think no matter how much you've saved, you're crazy not to go out and, and get a real financial plan done at least once. Well, that's a good point retire. because uh, planning is different than you see the commercials on TV. It's like this financial company, you know, your retirement, this retirement, that. And yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is, well, I, they don't want to talk to me. I don't have that much money in the bank. You know, like, I got to have hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. Like, and they even say sometimes yeah. in minimum, like, hey, if you've got a hundred thousand that you're looking, like, they'll even put it in their right. commercial right. or whatever. Be the first two yeah. callers <laughs> if you've got. I mean, basically, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I'm out. Um, but if they, but it, but a planning is a few hundred bucks, and that can save you maybe a million. Yeah, I think I think there's a difference between planning and an asset management, right? And yeah. and planning is is the is the matching of art and science of of projecting forward you know towards your goals and looking at where you're at today and and i feel like everybody needs a, a plan right because if you don't you're just you're gonna end up just wandering aimlessly and there's a million quotes that go along with that well you look like coach baxter today but really <laughs> your plan plan with baxter plan with baxter.com yeah, yeah. Be the website there so yeah. Yeah, yeah so i i think as far as as assets under management i you know every Every advisor, every team is going to have a different, you know, a different opinion on that to where some will require significant sums of money um, and others won't. And, and you just have to go back and listen to our how to choose an advisor to find the right advisor for you. Which is a really good episode, by the way. So the Secure Act 2019, because it's passed, it is law went into effect uh, immediately i assume in okay. december or when does it go into it goes, effect? goes into effect january 1st 2020 2020 is when the okay. first uh pieces so of by the time you're hearing this it's probably in effect yep yep yeah so, so another piece and we kind of touched on it was those required minimum distributions you also hear them called rmds um that's pushed back to 72 and we kind of talked about that a little bit but from 70 and a half now it's 72 still have to take them um but but what was the age before 62 70 and a half oh well 70. wait what was the 62 so that's the the earliest age that you can take social security was okay. 62 okay um other than but distributions from your ira so you 59 and a half for is when you can electively take them okay but then you're required to take them thus Got the it. required because the government's like hey you're just sitting on your your funds. You're sitting on your assets. We need to secure <laughs> our uh, and we need to secure taxes. our taxes. Yeah. <laughs> so the Secure Act. I like how they wor use words that mean both both ways. It's great. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's fun. So so that does it's extend fun. it for for two years or, or a year and a half. Um, is essentially what that extends it out as the retire as people work longer. Um, and, and I think that is a net positive as far as them extending that out. So. Yeah. Okay. So before we started this podcast, we were trying to come up with a name, and you used the term "sweeping." Is this is this sweeping? So, so these are sweeping changes. I mean, yeah. so as far as as 
especially the inherited IRA, that's an enormous change. I'm, a okay. lot of people won't won't understand the true impact of that until they lose a loved one mm -hmm. and, and they go through that process of inheriting an IRA and and losing the ability to stretch that that IRA over you know only 10 years as opposed to 30, 40, 60, 70 years in certain situations that we could extend so, that out. Uh, let's get let's get way into the into the pines here real quick. Um, uh, grandma has an IRA, and they put on the IRA who gets the money, which is called a beneficiary. beneficiary. So, so she lists, let's say, three yep. kids as beneficiaries. Three kids as beneficiaries. Right? That doesn't have to be in the will. This is only a contract through the IRA right. structure, so, correct? So IRAs, like insurance, are controlled by beneficiaries yeah. and not by will or trust or something along those lines. So uh, I'll, you know, one brother, two aunts, whatever, the three kids, they they get the money split. And if it's $200,000, that money that's left in her IRA when she dies, that 200000 gets split between the three, how she laid out, and those, right, the percentage right. or whatever, however she's laid out. Now those three... The way they have have to spend it or accept it is changed. Yeah, so it's so it's changed. So the way they accept it is they can still put it into an inherited IRA for themselves. So so let's say they each get sixty seven thousand roughly um, of that two hundred thousand dollar IRA, and then each of them individually will decide when during the ten years and how during the ten years they want to take their money out. In the past, if the oldest beneficiary was sixty and the youngest beneficiary was twenty. The twenty-year-old could extend that distribution out over their entire lifetime, so they could wow. effectually extend that out over eighty years if mm -hmm. they live to a hundred. Where the sixty-year-old could extend it out. And by extend it out, you mean they wouldn't have to take anything until they were. So they they always have to take a minimum amount, but they could always take and so they can always take it out faster if they want. But if they were to just pull out the minimum every single year then that could get extended out through mm -hmm. that entire lifespan. And so most people are like, well, I want the money. Why is this a bad thing? But you brought it because it's say you're in your mid forties and your income is high and this happens to you. And now your income just increased dramatically. If you, once you start pulling from that IRA. Right. So if, so if you and your spouse are making a hundred thousand dollars a year and all of a sudden you inherit a hundred thousand dollar IRA account and you've got to add that to your income and, and, unbeknownst to you if you're not aware of the change the sweeping changes sweeping changes then then now, all of a sudden your you tax add, bracket has gone way up there right you've gone from a hundred thousand okay. dollars of taxable income to two hundred thousand dollars of taxable income in that single year and you're like where'd all my money go and now all of a sudden you have a thirty thousand dollar tax bill or some yeah. some tax bill right as far as that goes unexpected and so if you're not planning on that and you spent that entire inheritance on something you went out and you bought you know you you bought a new house or you you paid down your mortgage with that entire amount not planning on that increased tax bill then all of a sudden then where do you get the tax money from uh your mortgage you got to refinance you got to refinance <laughs> and take, take out more debt now this doesn't apply to roth because you don't you already pay the taxes so so it, it applies to roth as well as far as having to have it depleted in that 10 years so we used to be able to extend out the the distributions on the roth ira okay. for a beneficiary as well and so it doesn't impact your taxes, but it reduces the tax-free growth on that Roth uh, IRA, which may okay. even be more significant yeah. than than having to, to pay the taxes on, on the other piece of it. And and it is important, right, that we're actually we're planning when we're doing this and not just pulling it out because I mean we can most times, right, if you're not already max funding your 401k or, or maxing out your IRAs or Roth IRAs, right, if we've got some bandwidth left there, we, we can 
pull it out as an RMB and then re-put it back in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are some of the strategies we can look at. Um, another one. Yeah. Part-time employees, and we don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but it used to be that most 401ks would discriminate against employees that were part-time, right? So if you worked less than 1,000 hours, which is really only about 20 hours a week, right? But if you worked less than 20 hours a week, the employers wouldn't have to include you in the 401k. Now they added it. So if you've worked for three years with an average of 500 hours a year, mm. then then you can uh, you can you be can you can be involved. Okay. Yeah. So so this is this is a, a big move for employees of companies that are working part time, even quarter time. Yeah. Right. But it also can you know owners, business owners need to be aware of it because now unbeknownst to them, they may have a lot of of employees that are now all of a sudden eligible so for example you know sasquatch runs a fast food restaurant right mm-hmm. um in town he cooks chicken right let's say <laughs> squirrel <laughs> squirrels squirrel. he cooks yeah. squirrels <laughs> and so and so in that in that base he might have 20 full-time employees and he may have 40 you know employees that are working 500 hours a year or something like that and all of a sudden after three years all of those people become eligible for the 401k plan which may throw his retirement plan into into certain situations and, and to where they're required to do audits, which may run five to ten thousand dollars increased 401k plan expenses. And so both of these sides need to be aware of the ramifications of what this means, both as a business owner as well as the, the part time participants, because it allows a lot of those quarter-time people to all of a sudden be saving for retirement at really young ages yeah. and and get that money into 401k plans and start saving for that retirement much much earlier than than they otherwise may have been able to very cool and, and this rule this one actually takes effect on or after january 1st 2021 so they give you a year to kind of yeah because the business <laughs> owners are that. yeah they're yeah. freaking out a little bit right. like, what Be- do i got to do here to make this work because we've got to digest that and 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 run some projections as to how it may impact and so we may need to make some some plan design changes um one way or the other depending upon what the business owner is trying to do and uh, yeah and it sounds great as far as uh i would love to see part-timers be able to put money away you know for their retirement um just keep in mind that uh, as a business owner, you don't <laughs> that could be a shock to the system. Maybe if you've got to spend more money. And, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one, one of my clients put it to me best, right? They would rather keep you employed than than be required to to have a 401k plan or something along those lines. Mm. And then all of a sudden have the business have to lay everybody off because they can't afford to maintain it. And so that's why we've got to make sure that we're we're weighing the benefits for the employees as well as for the owner to make sure that that it's sustainable for both parties yeah yeah most cases a little bit of planning can can make sure that everyone's good in the end so yep um next one's kind of a cool one we got two more so the next one is uh you can actually pull five thousand dollars for a birth or an adoption out of your 401k or ira plan or an adoption yeah what without penalties taxes stop pay income taxes but they won't penalize you okay. um if you pull it out of 401k or an ira and this is especially new for iras iras you're really limited to avoid that 10 percent early withdrawal penalty that the irs had and so now so they're up opening to five thousand dollars for for a birth 
or or an, or an adoption, adoption, and then uh, your tax, whatever your current tax rate is, I guess. Yeah, it just gets it added to your ordinary income, income and yeah. and so. So if you're making sixty thousand, it would make it look like you made sixty five. So, so if would, you've got it a, wouldn't be too dramatic. If you've got a four hundred one k or IRA, uh, and you're having a kid, or you want to adopt, this is a way to come up with an extra five thousand. If you haven't planned correctly, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest implica- <laughs> the biggest implication here, though, is is so often young couples are like, oh, we've got we're gonna have a kid, right? And I mean, I just had had one, and it cost like seven, eight thousand dollars, right? And and so I mean, it's really tempting for people to say, oh, I'm gonna back off on my 401k just for this year, you know? And 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 this is nice because it's to like, increase your cash flows, right? Right, yeah. build some nest egg up. This is nice to have it there that way just start saving right saving your 401k you likely you're not gonna have to touch it but if you do it's there another big thing i know the hospital we went to they knocked because we paid cash right and they they knocked 25 percent off the bill wow it's like 25 percent that that's wild you yeah. know and, and if you don't have to take if you can use this to pay cash for it i mean that can put people in a good good position yeah because if you're starting with nine thousand dollars minus 25 percent and pull five thousand because you didn't plan right rex out of your uh uh, ira then i meant just to clarify financially plan right i wasn't talking about (laughs) family planning or anything that's a whole other subject we'll get into on a further episode it's uh when we fly off the rails outside the pines that's what that one is yeah Okay, last one, last one on the Secure Act 2019. Last, yeah, and there's there's a lot of numbers here. In essence, though, em, new em, employers are highly incentivized to start a new 401k or simple IRA for their employees. There's a lot of different tax benefits that are going to help mitigate some of that cost and, and really incentivize people from a tax perspective to to you know open up new 401ks iras for their employees so that's something definitely worth looking at maybe if you've looked at it in the past and thought you know the, the cost was too much you might revisit that and, and say hey now it now it makes sense yeah you, you definitely want to check with your tax advisor but there are significant tax credits for starting up retirement plans um starting this next year very cool and, and so we want to make sure that people are aware of that and get the word out and and make sure that they're looking at if they are a small business owner and they're looking at starting up 401k plans. Or no, who's, who, uh, who initiated the SECURE Act? Did this come from the Senate or the House? Or what I was Rex this? did. So I, I, wrote, I wrote a letter. No, I didn't write a letter. So um, the, House, the House actually passed this in the spring of 2019. Yeah. So about nine months ago is when they passed it. It started. Oh, so this is working fast. Nine months, you know. So yeah, so, so, Cruising right through there. So, so that's, that's when it was passed. And then it sat on the Senate's desk up until the 20th of December, and that's when the Senate passed it. Okay. So, Very cool. I have a quote. Uh, it's a retirement quote. Are you ready? I Hang on. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, you ready? All right. The trouble, <clears throat> the trouble with retirement is that you never get a day off. <laughs> Abe, <laughs> Abe Lemons. Thank you, Abe. That was the lemon. <laughs> that was the lemon. <laughs> Listen, I am a huge fan of dad jokes. Stick around and we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll tell some dad, dad jokes. Dad joke episode. Dad joke episode. Well, thanks so much for filling us in on these. It's the biggest retirement changes in over a decade that could impact you and your family uh, and your workplace. Uh, it's known as the Secure Act recently passed going into um, effect in 2020 and 2021 in, in with the uh, retirement plans through your work in 2021. Yeah, very good. 
All right, reminding you to use yesterday's dollars to finance tomorrow's dreams. This has been the Through the Pines podcast.